Welcome to Positive Adoption, where you can find adoption, foster care, and trauma-informed parenting all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker. But more than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos from hard places. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Positive Adoption, a coffee break podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to Positive Adoption. We are continuing our series, Sandra is Back. We are taking little bits and pieces of the book, Five Things, a Tiny Handbook for Adoptive and Foster Families that you can get for free on traumainformedparenting.com, formerly thewholehouse.org. So I'm just going to read you the little synopsis on the back of the book before we get into our topic. Five Things, a Tiny Handbook for Adoptive and Foster Families is full of helpful nuggets in sets of five. Five things adoptive and foster parents don't tell you. Five things your adopted children would like to tell you. Five things you can do to help adoptive and foster families. This is a great handbook to share with extended family, teachers, church leaders, friends, adoptive and foster families, and friends. I was just recently on a podcast, it hasn't come out yet, I was interviewed about this book, and Chris Campbell, who interviewed me, he just kept saying, this is such a great resource, and so you have this tiny little handbook that has so much information that people need to know, which I truly appreciated because it, uh, and he asked me how it came about, and how this book came about was... It was just a series of blog posts I had written years ago, and I just I like to do things in sets of numbers. I have a math degree too, so I did five things, and then the more the years went on and the more comments and feedback I got on that, I thought, I'm going to put all of these together in a book. So that's what I did, and it's just a tiny little handbook. So let's get on to our topic for today. We adoptive parents have to parent differently than traditional parents. Traditional parenting doesn't work with kids who have had ex- who have experienced trauma or have a capital letter syndrome, ADD, ADHD, FAS, Asperger's, you know, it's a long long list of capital letter syndromes. And since Sandra is just sitting there waiting for me to finish talking, I am going to let her talk about the topic first. Well, I love to listen to you talk. I listen to your podcast regularly, so I'm just excited to be here with you. Um, So yeah, traditional parenting does not work. Tried it. It can actually (laughs) cause more damage than than good. It causes more harm. Uh, My husband, we did it wrong. As I mentioned in the first podcast that we did together for last week, it was our first experience with adoption, we had three biological children and then God kind of placed this little girl in our family. She was a relative. Uh, she, her mom had died. 
never knew who the dad was. Her grandmother had been raising her, but her grandmother was mentally unstable and Mm. physically not well. And we were trying to sort of reach out and help both of them. And in the process saw this little girl in this horrible position, knowing that she was not in a healthy, safe, good place. Mm -hmm. So we got legal custody of her. And then a few years later, we did formally adopt her, but she came into our home and we didn't know anything about trauma. We did Mm. not research adoption or anything because we were parents. We had three kids already biologically. They were like nine, seven, and three. So we felt like you know, she just needs a family, a normal childhood. We can give her that. We're good parents. We'll treat her like one of our other kids. She'll Mm -hmm. have all of the same privileges and opportunities and expectations. Right. And this form of discipline. And we're all going to live happily ever after. Right. Can I interject the the very famous saying that people always say, all she needs is love. 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 That's all. That's what we heard. You know, all they need is love. Like, okay, not true. Go on. Love Love is not enough. That's right. Not enough. And we didn't know. We, we, she just always, the behavior was very difficult. She came across as um, disobedient and rebellious Mm -hmm. and oppositional and, I just thought she was defiant and at any time I asked her to do anything from clean her room to brush her teeth, she wouldn't outwardly tell me no, but it never, ever got done. And it was just battle after battle after battle. And, you know, we did try the spanking on occasion. We gave early bedtimes and all kinds of consequences and consequences never, ever worked. And we just bustled through it, but yep. it was it was hard. And then for some reason, the good Lord called us to adopt internationally. And after we brought home our fourth son from an international adoption, we adopted four siblings. Mm-hmm. We brought the first three home. And then a few later, a few years later, we brought the youngest one home. And by then we thought we really knew what we were doing because the first three kids from Ukraine clicked into our family relatively smoothly, Mm -hmm. not too many speed bumps, not any major behavioral issues. It just was miraculous, but it was at the same time a little, it didn't really paint a realistic picture because when we went a few years later and got the younger, our youngest Mm. son, who by that time was five, had been in the orphanage from birth to age five. The second they introduced him to us, we knew we were in trouble. We knew we did not have what it took to parent this child. And we were going to need help. We were going to need help helping him. Mm -hmm. And and then that's along that journey is when I discovered TBRI and I read The Connected Child and I went to Empower to Connect conferences. And that journey, of course, led us to become parent trainers. That's where I met Kathleen. Uh, And it was throughout that journey getting help for our youngest, that my eyes were open to that our first daughter that we brought in through adoption when she came in at age eight back in 1999, she was a kid with trauma. Mm. She quite possibly has FASD 
And we didn't know a single thing. And the more we learned to help our son and the more new tools we learned, new parenting strategies, connecting instead of correcting. We never connected with our first daughter. We were too busy disciplining and connecting, which never worked. And the connection suffered for it. We have a better relationship with her now. She's 30. She just got married. But it's it's strained. And I'm finding as an, now she's an adult, we're still, we're doing things like giving yeses mm-hmm. and trying to do things to connect with her. Those right. things are working, even though she hasn't been in our home in a number of years and she's now married and she's 30. Those things are much more successful, even though she's an adult. Right. That you can always, so, right. You can always go back and reparent because I had that with my oldest biological child who has Asperger's. And she has told me, she's like, mom, you're allowed to tell people I have that. And when <laughs> she was little, I didn't know that. I didn't. Yeah. And she was just so intelligent. And by the time that she was seven or eight, she was reading on a 12th grade level. And, you know, but my dad's like that. So I, I just thought, you know, I just got really smart one. But yeah, you can still, and she will send me articles and, you know, we'll talk about it. But I was in the same situation as you because our youngest adopted, who was in the hospital first after being born prematurely for about four or five months before he was moved to an orphanage of only infants. And in my mind, thinking, okay, he's a baby. This is going to be so easy. You know, because the other ones were seven, six, and four. And then the baby, who was by that time 19 months old. So he did spend a good deal of time in the orphanage. But when those behaviors and those regressions and those not being able to potty train and those developmental delays and all of those things, I was like, oh my goodness. I kind of felt like I'd been slapped in the face a couple times because he was the cutest, cutest little thing, but contrary as can be, and not just, you know, people say, oh, he's ornery. No, it was beyond that. And I remember connecting with you when we were going through the training and we were talk- we were both talking about our youngest. And I, could- I remember asking you, you know, you know, what brought you here? And you were like, it's our youngest. <laughs> So, and I was the same way and it was our youngest because yes, I had throughout the years read things and learned things and I would read all the books and at night and I would read something to my husband and say, listen, listen to this part. This is why this is happening or this is why he's doing this. And, but with the youngest, it was like, take all of that times a thousand but we now know the science behind it. And that's why the traditional parenting doesn't work. It's not because we're doing it all wrong. It's that that child does not have the neural pathways to understand what you're talking about. And if they are not connected to you, then they don't want to please you. So we always, with our biological children, we are banking on the fact that they are connected to us. So when we say, go get your laundry, and they dawdle and they don't do it, they have that feeling of guilt, and they're like, oh my gosh, 
I didn't do it, but I feel ashamed that I didn't please mom and dad. Well, a kid with no connection to you, not because he doesn't want to be, but because he doesn't have the ability to. When you say go get the laundry and he doesn't do it, there's no guilt. There's no, oh, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. In fact, I kind of coined this phrase, if you don't inspect it, don't expect it. So I got to the point where I wasn't depending on that connection with my kids in the traditional sense. I would say, let's go get your laundry. And then you are inspecting what they're doing and doing it along with them. It takes, I'm just going to be honest, it takes a lot more energy to parent non-traditionally than it does to parent traditionally. Because you can't bank on those connections. You can't bank on the executive function. You have to watch these kids closer because they're impulsive. They can do dangerous things. In fact, I created this whole set of instead of tips. And they're on the website. There's a whole article. I'll link it on things that we can do instead of traditional parenting. Because I think it's so important because if you're listening and you're like, well, Okay, but what do I do instead? Well, this is what you do instead. And some of the, the tools are, in, instead of giving a lecture, use simple language. You know, use five or six words. Walk, don't run. You know, those sorts of things, all the kind of things that we learned in training, plus some of the things that I've learned from my experience, I put together. There's an infographic you can it's in the printable resource section. You can print it and put it somewhere. And I encourage you, if you've never heard any of this stuff, print the Instead of Tips article and highlight things and examine things and see what works for you because what we learned in our training is not every parenting tool works for every child, right? Right. Everything doesn't work for every child, even if you're learning some new parenting things. So to finish up, can you tell us what your, what's been the most effective parenting tool? And it can only be based on one child. Just give us one tool. Oh my goodness, because I use so many all the time. Uh, I think that that simple script that you mentioned is vital because kids, especially with a brain-based disability, mm-hmm. I gave the example of FASD, right. uh, use trauma, but there's also this brain-based disability. So those simple scripts, I can't say, go clean your room. Yeah. Because they might get to their room, but there's no cleaning going to happen. So, but I can do exactly what you said. I can say, let's go get your laundry. Mm-hmm. Or let's put away your laundry and sort of kind of co-pilot that. That's right. more, more success. But the more, and I'm a lecturer, as you can tell, I like to talk. So, <laughs> My, my adult children will tell you that, <laughs> get lecture, but, but I, I've learned that I'm wasting words because if I give out a whole bunch of instructions, there's only going to be a few words that he's actually going to remember. There's only, a few, it's usually the yeah. last couple of words I said, he's not going to remember all of the other stuff. So make, keeping it simple and put that expectation to me, it was liberating when I began to learn about the impact of trauma on the brain Mm -hmm. and 
brain-based disabilities because then I realized that's really what we're working with. We're not working with defiance or rebellion or disobedience. We're working with a child who it's not that they won't clean their room. It's that they can't right. clean their room. They can't have that big task. So less words and breaking things down into smaller steps so the child can be successful in the little steps and you can praise them along the way. That For us, that has gone much farther than setting this high expectation. Well, now that you're 15, you should be able to clean your room. <laughs> no, that doesn't right. work that way. And I've learned also to lower my own, my own expectations, even as a mom. I, they would have very clean rooms if I wanted to spend the day in there with them every Saturday or every right. whatever day. But I don't want to do that. So it's okay if the room is messy, as long as there's not rotting food or fermenting yeah. drink. <laughs> I've learned, I'm, I'm, I'm in my fifties. I don't really yeah. want to spend the whole Saturday cleaning a room. So, you know, the expectation has changed with their ability, but also always, you know, not that we don't expect anything right. out of them. Exactly. We have to work with them. Right. And that's the thing. You have to remember that what you're expecting out of them, it may seem little or nothing to you or someone else, but it's huge for them. Yes. And my kids got to the point where they'd ask, you know, uh, so we have to clean our rooms today. It's Saturday. Is this company clean or regular clean? So they knew <laughs> that I had lowered my standards and they had changed it. And I'm just going to finish up with something that you were saying using the simple scripts that I learned from my boy's Royal Ranger leader, which was he told me he was over one time. We were friends with it. We're friends with his family and the kids were swimming. And one of the boys started to run on this wet cement and he said, walk. And I, some, some other adult was yelling, don't run. And he said, don't use negators because they only hear the word run. So I was yeah. like, oh my goodness, that is so huge. That was huge for me because traditional parenting is all about all the things you do not do, not about what you should do. So that was a game changer for me. So I'm going to finish up today or we're going to finish up today. And thanks for joining us. Don't forget to get your copy of Five Things, a tiny handbook for foster and adoptive families on trauma-informed parenting.com and we will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Positive Adoption. Make sure you subscribe on thewholehouse.org to receive your gift of five things, a tiny handbook for foster and adoptive families, and receive a monthly newsletter plus updates when new books or courses are released. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, Spotify, or YouTube and leave a review so others can find positive adoption and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send an email to me positiveadoption at gmail.com and follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at The Whole House and Twitter at Kath Guire. Thanks for listening to the show.